Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fins Up podcast. I'm your host, Mortz. I'm not joined by Southo Dan tonight. Dan's off gallivanting after his uh, episode with Lucas Brown last night, former, for, former uh, WBA heavyweight champion. Uh, so Dan won't be joining me, but uh, what I will say is last week Dan hosted a revenge podcast which absolutely tanked, uh, probably due to the two co-hosts that he had on with, with him. Uh, so if you're going to do a podcast about me next time, Dan, people do want to hear about it, but you need to pick better people. Speaking of better people, I have gone out and found someone who is the best of the best. He has run management startups with Facebook and Twitter. He's also a best-selling author on Amazon with a book, Reboot Your Thinking. He's a mental health ambassador for Lifeline, and he's also my former basketball coach. I'm joined by Nick Bowditch. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Good, bud. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How's things? Mate, we got there in the end. We had a few tech glitches, but we're there. I'm good. I'm good. This is the this is the fifth time we've tried to record this podcast, and hopefully we uh, we kick goals, mate. How's isolation treating you, mate? I'm a, I'm a bit of an introvert anyway, so it's kind of I feel like I've been training for it for you know years and years, and I'm, I'm finally in my element. Everyone stands six feet away from me. I, I love it. Yeah, but, I know. It's, it's... Um, I'm missing. I'm yeah. I'm missing normal life, and I'm pretty keen to get back to it, but I'm not so keen that I'm going to rush back to it, you know, like I've, it's been kind of a nice change in some ways. Speaking of normal life, what is normal life for you? What is the Nick Bowditch story? I gave people a little taste of it, but, but what do you do and what makes you you and how did you get there? Yeah, so I, um, I've i come through, um, my main background has been in startup, so I've had a few startups of my own, some of which have failed miserably, some of which did okay. Uh, from then, I then worked at Facebook and Twitter, as you said, uh, for a few years, where I looked after um, their small business divisions at both uh, at both of those brands. And now, what I mostly do is invest in startup and buy startup uh, in Australia and around the world. And I speak at conferences and stuff. Well, when conferences were actually a thing, <laughs> which they're not at present, but that's what I usually spend my time doing and do a bit of writing here and there and. Uh, yeah, that's kind of it. I try and keep myself out of trouble. And on the rugby league front, Nick, who do you go for? Uh, I go for the same side that all good-hearted people go for, the, the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. Right, that's a uh, that's a bit of a, a touching point. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about your uh, your former work in the South Sydney Rabbitohs a little bit later on. But uh, how did you become a South fan, mate? Um, so my dad was born and grew up in Botany mm-hmm. and and around Redfin and so yeah I didn't have much of a chance and what about really your kids have, have they got any chance as well or they've got zero chance um, two of my kids don't care at all either way um, but the other two whenever they refer to the Rabbitohs they always refer to them as the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs that's what they think the team name is so right. um, I think they're, they're going to be okay well, I'll, I'll tell you a story about how I became a Sharks fan, and it involves your mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs, but uh, my parents, I, I, I never knew them to be married. Um, every second week, my uncle looked after me, and one week, he took me to a game of rugby league. I didn't want to go. I kicked and screamed uh, all the way there, and his mate was a South fan, and I had to go for the winner of this game. Uh, so we're talking 1994, I was eight years old. Uh, Cronulla won forty two nil. Et scored five tries. Do you remember the game? Uh, I don't. I've 
kind of blocked out every time we've got pants like that. So, no, I don't remember that game. Oh, uh, look, the only, the, the, the memories I have apart You're from... You're going to remind me of it, though, aren't you? What's that? Yeah, I'll remind you of it. Yeah, apart from the, the glorious mullets and the the 42 nil win, all I remember from that is that every time ET went to score a try, Craig Field was the only one from Southsea turned and chased. Well, that was uh, about four years of that, but, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't doubt that's true. There's a truth in that. Um, so hang on. Yeah. So had it not been forty-two nil to the Sharks, you would be a Rabbitohs fan. Yeah. So if South Sydney had won that night, I would have had to go on for the Rabbitohs. Yeah, that's correct. Wow, you were so close to greatness. So on on the way out of the stadium that night, my uncle bought me a jersey, uh, which I still have, which I've passed on to Ellie, uh, a dressing gown which she has, and he bought me a fin hat which was made of foam and got thrown in the bin probably a week later. That is unreal. I love stories like that. But I was, yeah, as, as you said, if, if it had gone the other way and South Sydney had turned, you know, 17 Craig Fields turned up that night, I, I could have could have well been a South <laughs> Sydney. Mate, not just that night. Yeah. A long, <laughs> a long period of that early 90s, which was a bit like that. So I've, I've, I've never really... Uh, we, we have had South Sydney fans on here, I think, in the past, but I've never really spoken to someone a little bit older Um when you guys got kicked yeah, out of the competition, <laughs> not too old. When you guys got kicked out of the competition, though, um, what what did that do for you? And obviously, you said you know your dad was a, a Rabbitohs fan as well. And when you came back into the competition, how did that feel? We were we were crushed. Yeah, like like literally, it was a really big moment in our family and in my life. You know, we went on the march across the bridge and, and all that sort of stuff. And I can remember it was just a really really terrible time like i know it's, i know it sounds really dramatic and stuff to say that but it was actually really a big deal and uh and it was really there was a lot of uh, you know we well, just remember there was a lot of sort of anti-super league center at the time with any rupert murdoch stuff at the time there was there was a lot of feeling about it and it really split a lot of a lot of friendships up too you know like people sort of decided to go with one or the other and it was two different leagues and all of that, and no one really cared about South because we didn't have any money, and, and, you know, we always had a big fan base, but fans weren't money and, and at that stage anyway. Yeah. And so there was never really any chance that that, that was not going to happen, you know? And then so it was kind of that two years, you know, where, where, where we didn't, where we were sort of out of, the, out of the wilderness, and then when it came back, everyone was everyone was sort of, Kind of wary of it, I guess. When when we came back in, like didn't want to get too kind of into it, and and then and then there was a feeling, well, screw you, like you didn't want us, and now you do, you know, like there was kind of a feeling of, of everyone's against us. There's always been that feeling a bit with South fans, that you know the establishment never wants us and all, all that sort of stuff, and so that kind of was all flared up, and, and it's kind of been like that since. So you're, you're telling me that a young, strapping Nick Bowditch in his prime was a part of the movement that marched across the bridge to get South Sydney back in the competition? Oh, mate, I, I cried the day we got chucked out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it was, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but, yeah, I, I, I cried when my kids were born, when South got kicked out of the comp, and then in 2014 when we won the yeah, look, look. I, I, I said that the, the only times that I've cried are uh, when my kids were born and when Cronulla won the comp and then that changed 
That changed this year when Liverpool won the Champions League as well. But some of the things that you talk about there ties into what you do in your life. And you say that, you know, it sounds ridiculous that it's only sport. But there is a big there's, – there's a lot of research into sport and people's mental health. Um, yeah, and, and not only sport, but tribalism and community and mm-hmm. connection with other people who are like-minded and mm-hmm. – you know, to be able to follow a cause and a, and a you know a community direction with other people is really important for humans. Yeah, so, and it's, you know, it's it's one of the only times where my wife will actually let me leave the house and get pissed. So, yeah, and, and there's actually a lot of data around that too. That you know, this is how people commune. This is how they socialise. This is and, and you tend to socialise with people who you trust and feel comfortable with if they're wearing a certain jersey and you don't feel comfortable with. You know, other people, like I'd never ever feel comfortable with anyone wearing a, a, a Roosters jersey anywhere near me. And so that that's that's like inherent in me. It burnt into me that I, I will never ever be okay with that. Yeah. And so, you know, it's that. But then, you know, even that sort of stuff, you know, people people say, oh, people bag manly and, and say manly are evil and manly this and manly are that. Like, but manly are pussycats, really, compared to the other, that other mob I just mentioned, which I don't want to talk about too much. But. You know, so it's that kind of inherent tribalism which which some of us will never leave behind, you know? Yeah. And neither we should. And and with, with rugby league coming back, we've got a date, May twenty eight. How do you think is is that gonna bring a, a spike and, and cheer you up a little bit? Um, I know you and I talk every day and some of our conversations can either be really dark or really bright. So what's that what's that gonna look like <laughs> for you when South Sydney are on your T V screen again on a weekly basis? You know, uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm sort of torn. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to have something to look forward to on to watching on the weekends and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but feel it's too soon. So I, I don't know, mate. I, I don't love watching footy without the, without a crowd. I don't love I don't love watching footy on TV as opposed to going to see my team play live. So I'm, I don't know. I'm weirdly torn. I'm weirdly torn between it being a really great thing and a, and a what? Are you sure? thing you know and I, and I feel like it's only going to take a couple of players being sick or almost being sick or whatever and the whole thing falls apart again I don't I don't know or, or, a, or a, a couple a couple of players going to Taree on a on a shooting spree or what well, only, well, yeah. Okay, come on. You <laughs> might as well. Okay, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that a little bit. A little bit later on. So we're going to tie into it as well. Um, look, I, I, I'm, I'm only, only one. Only one South player. Yeah, and one and one future yeah. South player as well. Josh Adokar's, you know, bang on to to be a oh, bunny I'm next so. year. Um, but look, I, I'm I sort of share the same um, viewpoint as you. Is it a bit? Is it a bit too soon? I don't know. Compared to other countries, probably not. Like we, you know, say what you want about ScoMo, but he's, you know, Australia has done really well in in preventing a lot of, you know, spikes, and we haven't done what some of the stupid European countries have done with the herd immunity and and things like that. But I just, I sort of, I feel that, you know, if they if they think if they think that they can contain it, then it's a good thing. If they think that they can get through the players. You know, get it into their heads that they you've got to quarantine. You know, the storm, the the warriors. You've got to stay. You know, you're away from your family for for long periods of time. Um, and if the players are going to do that, then there there is no reason why it shouldn't it shouldn't be able to come back. And 
Um, but I, I like what you said about the um, the crowds. Did, did you give our episode with uh, Toby Rudolph a bit of a listen? Uh, I did. I heard every minute of it. Yeah. So he, he made his debut in round one against South Sydney, and he said that, you know, you could hear the crowd... Had, had, a, blind, had a blinder too. Yeah, you could hear the crowd absolutely, you know, ripping into him as well as the players. And then round two against the Storm, all he could hear was Cameron Smith and Andrew Fafita. So the players definitely want the crowds, but I think they also want their income to, to hit their back pocket. So let's just get the footy back, Nick. But when... So you, you know more about this than me. On the, the 28th of May, which is the restart date, that's empty stadiums. How long, like, how long is it projected to be before I can go and watch, before I can go to Homebush and watch the Rabbit? Look, I, I think it's probably going to be 2021, if that's what they yeah, are. Right. You, you won't get to a game this year. Um, and I, I'm even sceptical on 2021. Um, and the reason for it is, you you know again listening to to overseas stories about when's the soccer going to start again the EPL when's the NBA going to start up and a lot of those big sporting teams are expecting the remainder of their season like the Premier League is due to start in June or July and they're expecting their season to finish empty stadium and also next season to be empty stadium as well because with something like this you don't know when the next spike is going to be um you know, it's kind well, the other of. Thing is, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go and see. No. Like, like certainly not in the next cause two months. Say, no. There's, there's no way I'll go and sit with thousands of other people. I think... or take my kids, or you know, like you'd be crazy to. I think the the other thing as well that you have to look at in European sport when it's coming back is they're actually going into their summer, whereas we're going into our winter. So we're probably going to hit a spike again because it is a very flu-like disease. Mm. Um, whereas they're going into the summer. Um, so I think that they, they feel that they may, they may be able to contain it a little bit better. But the other thing they have to look at is, you know, European football fans will still go to the games. They, you'll just get 40,000 people outside the stadium. Yeah. You know, whereas whereas yeah. the Sharks versus the Roosters in round 20 or Sharks versus South in round 20, whatever it is, you're not going to get 20,000 people going and standing around Homebush. You just... It, it's going to be closed off, so. Well, you're not going to get anywhere near that to a Roosters game anyway. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, that's it. They've got to be competition favourites now playing in front of empty stadiums. Well, they're so used to it, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely advantageous for them. They've never been distracted by crowds anyway, so, you know, yeah. Uh, you, so you and I have had conversations off air about your time at Facebook and Twitter and you have been involved in some educational programs that that have gone on to NRL players. Now, we won't dig into that, um, obviously, because one, it seems like it's been a complete failure and I don't want to tie you to that. And two, players are just getting <laughs> stupider. So if you were back at Facebook and Twitter right now and you were stuck in a room with all these NRL players, what the hell would you be saying to them? I'd be saying, here's your Nokia 2810. <laughs> that, that's, welcome to 1997. That's the fame now that you're going to have for this fourth seasons on, and maybe three seasons as well. Like I just, I, I don't know, mate. Look, here's the thing, right? People tend to think that unfairly that celebrities or footy players or whatever are, are, are different to the population. You can only, you only have to see, you have to flick through your Facebook feed at how many people are, you know. Coronavirus is, a, is because of 5G, 5G and, and all this stuff. How many people, how many really normal 
people that you know are saying stuff like that, mm-hmm. then you, then this population of players, they're, they're a mix of normal and extreme people too. So it's, it's just that everything they do is amplified mm-hmm. so, so much that, you know, a simple thing like, like breaking the rules of quarantine and involving other people doing it too and then taking photos of it and then uploading those photos to Facebook or Instagram doesn't, it just slips through the radar because it's so, you know, they're not geniuses. Mm-hmm. You know, none of us are, you know, none of us are. So it's, it's, it's disappointing, but I would be, if, if I had anything to do with any clubs nowadays, I would really be suggesting that they don't have smartphones um, or that, you know, there was some sort of nanny software involved yeah. where, you know, they, they couldn't upload things unless they had to go to a third party or you, you need to go back to that, that movie with Vince Vaughn, uh, the intern, where they made that app where you couldn't right, yeah. you couldn't post something if you were if you were drunk. They need to do that for NRL players. Um, what you what's NRL players though, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's every person yeah. is doing stupid shit and, but, and uploading it to Facebook. It's just every person's life isn't examined the way that. That these boys lives are. But, but, but it's as you said just before, you and I, well, maybe not so much you because you're one of the best-selling authors on Amazon, but myself, if I was to go on Twitter and say the earth is flat, I'm probably going to get 10 people call me a knobhead, right? But yeah. if, you know, if someone like, who's the most popular player in the game? You know, Latrell Mitchell, he seems to get bagged every day. If he was to go on Twitter and go, I think the earth is flat, it's gonna. There's gonna be ten articles about him. That, you know, he's gonna be on the news all night. People are gonna be knocking on down his doors. So they are held in a different light to us, which is why, you know, in this quarantine circumstances, as we saw with Latrell and Addo Carr at Port Macquarie or Taree, wherever they were, they were only talking about the three football players that were there and not the other eight blokes that were with them. And that's the standard that they're held to. Now, as we said, you have done these educational programs with the players before. Are they told not to post things like that on social media? Are they told don't send a nude to a a girl because it's going to circulate circulate around the internet? And if they are told this and the education is rammed home to them, why the hell is it still happening? Well, it happens because... Well, yes, they are told these things and and they're counselled very strongly by their own administration as well as platforms because the platforms don't want to have, you know, pictures of their wangers on either. Like, you know, they, they it doesn't serve anyone's purpose for that to happen. Mm-hmm. still happens because people are human and people forget their station sometimes and people forget that they have 3 million followers on Instagram and, and people make mistakes. People are human, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, it's, it, you know, you're saying, why does it keep happening? Well, it keeps happening because these guys are, are human and they make mistakes and they're not, sometimes they're not the sharpest tool in the shed, you know, like sometimes it, it, it just gets away from them. And and sometimes, you know, let's say, let's say um, Latrell said to Josh at a car, hey, should we be doing this? Maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't put it up on Facebook at least. Then we're, you're acquiring counsel of someone else who's also in a similar boat to you. You know what I mean? Like they're not asking, um, you know, uh, Wayne Bennett, if that's okay, or, the, or Craig Bellamy, if that's okay, because if they did, surely those two people would go, no, you idiots, don't yeah. do that, you know, like, so I just feel like it's, I, I feel like it's a bit unfair, not not on football, not on footy players, I'm not that guy, right, I'm not an apologist for them, but I feel it's unfair for anyone to, to expect 
a, an infallible response from every single human in every single situation because it's just it's just a standard which is never going to be kept by anyone. And it seems like one of the things that they forget is once you put it online, it, it's there for everyone to see, right? And one of the, one of the most remarkable um, stories that I still remember was when Paul Gallen got drunk and called the NRL chief chief executive officer and everyone who ran the administration a pack of c words, and mm-hmm. his tweet was up for I think thirteen minutes. And it had over 10,000 retweets and 10,000 likes and 10,000 screen caps. And it was it was news straight away. Like, that's they, they forget that the power of the internet these days is, you know, it's much quicker. Apart from mine and your internet tonight, but the internet is a powerful beast. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me use a, a, give you a good illustration of that. I, back in the day, and I'm not going to use their names because it doesn't serve anyone's purpose, but back in the day, I was speaking with a, a first grade footy player who was telling me it was at a time when another first grade fully player had got in trouble with some nudity and, and whatever. It wouldn't take too many guesses to work out who I'm talking about. But um, And this other player said to me, oh, you know, that, that he didn't do, he didn't use that uh, on, on Facebook or Insta or, or Twitter or whatever. He used Snapchat so that, so that, you know, it disappeared. And I said, yeah, but someone can still screenshot that stuff. And he said to me, yeah, but then I... It tells you, Snapchat tells you that it's, they're taking a screenshot. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't do anything about that. <laughs> like, it doesn't... And he's like, oh, yeah, no, no. But then I just say, hey, don't don't share that with anyone. And, and then they say, oh, we won't. And I was just gobsmacked, you know. There's, there's only so many things you can... Only so many things you can put in front of these people. You know, yeah. The, the other one, they the still other... trust people implicitly. They still trust someone not to share that dick pic with the, the, the Sunday Telegraph. You know, and it's just not going to happen. The human nature kicks in. Someone gets offered some money for a photo, they're going to take it. And 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 so the they... other the other one of that is the Todd Carney bubbler. You know, he was in. Yes, he was in Northy's toilets, but it was only him and two people that were in that room or in in the toilet when he peed in his mouth. And he has literally said, I know you've taken photos and videos, don't send it to anyone. By the time he sat down, the bloke who took the photo has sent it to everyone. And it's a little bit of naivety around that as well, but I... Well, I think it's, they, they trust the wrong people and, you know, if everyone at the table's full of piss at the time, mm. no pun intended, like if everyone's pissed at the time, yeah, it's... It's going to be very, very yeah. And it's and, it, and okay, those two guys who were in the in the toilets with him that night. He, one of them sent it to one of their trusted mates. Yeah. One of his trusted mates sent it to another trusted mate. By the time it's three three degrees of separation away, there's no trust between Todd Carney and that guy. No. There's no, no connection even. So that, that guy's just like, oh, I'm putting that on on Twitter, or I'm putting that on Instagram, and then boom, 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 it's gone. Like it's 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 just too. This is why, this is why they need. Knocking twenty eight ten, mate. Yeah, yep. and it's you know there's another story that me and my mates have as well. But we were at one of the uh, the corporate fighters, and a guy I used to work with, uh, he you know gave up alcohol and and sugar and everything like that for thirteen weeks, and then the minute he finished his fight, he was you know ripping into beers, skull and bourbon and cokes. He'd stuck half a bag of cocaine up his nose. We're at the West Inn Hotel, which is a five star hotel in Sydney. And, you know, we're 
we're just at the toilet and the next minute Dean's shitting in the sink. So no yeah. one no one really cares because that's Dean Smith from Sydney. But if that's Dean Smith from South Sydney, that's front page news for the next three or four weeks. And that's that's sort of the, the issue around the counselling that's happened for them at the moment. Is there enough? Are they doing enough about it? What, what you know, you've got a little bit more insight to that. Tell us how many programs a year do those platforms run with the players? Okay, well, uh, currently I have to say right now in 2020, I'm not sure okay. what, what the standard is. But I know previously there's been a lot of interaction between both the league and the clubs and those platforms. There's a lot of to and fro. There's a lot of, you know, no, it does nobody any good for for a scandal to happen on a social media platform. It doesn't do the platform any good. It doesn't do the player any good, the club, the league, you know, the community, or, or whatever. So there's a lot of people who are actively trying to make sure that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then players go up the coast shooting guns and riding motos and they take some photos and that's up on stories. Someone screenshots it and it explodes. Like, it's... It's just too easy to to make that mistake. It's too sometimes it's just too tempting for someone not to share that stuff just for the notoriety or just just to make themselves feel better about themselves that they'll share something that's going to hurt somebody. You know, like human nature is eventually going to kick in, and 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 you know sometimes that's not to everyone's opportunity. Sometimes it's to everyone's detriment that that happens. Now, what about Nathan Cleary, who said that he only had the girls at his uh, room for, for five minutes, but then the TikTok videos came out as well, because TikTok's a new dangerous social media platform that's that's come out of nowhere, and no doubt you'll probably get a job with them soon, but, you know, you've got you've got two guys like Latrell and Adokar who turned around and said, my bad, sorry guys, you know, we did do it as a cultural gathering, and then you've got Nathan Cleary who denied everything until he got caught. So what's the difference in education between those two circumstances from there? Well, I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm horribly biased here, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say at least they told the truth. At least they, they fessed up and, you know, they were caught out or they didn't work, they caught themselves out. But then at least they said, yeah, this is what happened. This is, these are all the photos, you know, and, and, not, oh, and not telling a lie that they're going to be caught, that's going to bite them on the bum the next day when some more videos come out. Like, he knew when he was saying... When he said they just dropped around on the way to somewhere else, he knew that was a lie. Yeah. And, but he also knew that four other people who he may or may not be connected to really well in real life had the evidence that, that could bring him unstuck. So there, there again, is, it just repeats the importance of that keeping a, keeping a lid on what, what situation you're in, keeping a track of who's, who's filming what, who's there, who's not there. Like, these aren't things that you and I and, and average Joe has to worry about. Hmm. But it's, it's, not, it's not enough to say, look, oh, but they, they, we don't have to worry about that for them. Like, there is a lot of education on them that says, no, no, it's not for you because you get more education on this stuff than, than I do. Yeah. You get more education on what is, what is right and wrong here and the dangers of it and the explosive nature of it. You, I'm not the one getting paid eight hundred thousand dollars a year to play footy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so I will, look. I'll, I'm a bit of an apologist for, for footy players sometimes, but sometimes they make it very hard to kind of, you know, stick up for them when when it's repeated over and over and over and over and over again to them what can happen, and they just lose track of that sometimes. Yeah, I, I know that, but it's, you know, even still, like, I've got a camera phone now, and I think 
uh, oh, I know you've got a camera phone because I get some pictures from you sometimes that even make me scratch my head, but that's in the comfort of our own house, right? And that's what they do. But it's not as if Nathan Cleary didn't know that TikTok video was happening. He starred in the middle of it. It's not as if he walked in halfway through and went, oh, there's a TikTok happening. He just, he was prime center for it. But, you know, going, going back to just you and I, the average Joes, if we send each other a, a wine pick, we don't have to worry about that going outside of, of the remit of each other's, you know, banter. But it still seems that for as long as these scandals go on, every year there's going to be something new by some player doing something very stupid. And do you think that these yeah. did you think that these platforms need to increase the education or do they just get to a point where they go, Well, you're on your own here guys, we can't do anything else for you? Honestly more I don't think they could do any more. Okay. You know, like no, there's, there's a point where you have to go, Okay, over to you lads, like yeah. Like, good luck to you. I know, I know that there's restrictions around... Look, here, here's something to think about, right? There's a lot of restrictions around the players using their phones at game time. Yeah. I think it's... No, don't quote me on this, but I think it's an hour before a game they can't be seen with a phone in the, with their phone in their hand and maybe an hour later or something. Yeah, you can't, can't, can't have phones in the sheds anymore for betting purposes. Oh, uh, okay, great. Yeah, so... so but, and everyone seems to... You know, I, I don't know if everyone's following that rule, but that, that, no one's... There hasn't been that kind of that side of a scandal around game fixing and stuff in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it does show that it does show that people can follow rules when rules are dictated to them. Mm-hmm. It just seems, but again, that's an enclosed environment pre-game. You know, you've got other things to do. A lot of the stuff that happens when when not just footy players, but anyone of any notoriety gets in trouble, it, it's in downtime. It's in time where they feel relaxed and vulnerable, you know, as opposed to 30 minutes before a game when obviously they're fixated on game and on their job. Um, it doesn't happen. That's why so many of these... Oh, I was going to say the swear word then. Oh, so many of these mess up, so many of these mistakes happen pre-season yeah. and out of season because, you know... That's, they're bored. That's what they should just be able to do what they want to do. But, again... They're not. They're, you and I and average Joe isn't being paid half a million dollars to play footy and doesn't have three million followers on Instagram. And I think that just it just adds a different layer to to what you have to consider to do to stay safe and, and be reasonable. Yeah. I, the other thing, the other thing that I think is important, right? What about in twenty years when when these guys are are all fathers? What about in thirty years when they're grandfathers? Like this stuff is not going to go away. Yeah. Todd Carney's grandkids are going to be able to find that photo forever. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and it's just, yeah, I, yeah, I would just <laughs> advise a lot more caution than, than he's shown sometimes. But, uh, yeah, it's a, I, I can't imagine that those educational programs <laughs> would be too... Would would need to be in too much detail. You'd pretty much just need to walk in and go. You know what? You've got a camera phone. Don't be a fuckwit. Because that's the message my parents gave to me, and I've never ended up on a back page scandal of the Daily Telegraph. And again, I know I'm not famous, but some of the shit they do is really bad. Like some of some of the stuff okay, that goes but, on. But there's also but there's another argument here, Mort. Yep. And good. it's some of the stuff they do, which is scandalous, mm-hmm. is not actually all that scandalous. That's fair. Right. And so sometimes, and I, I, I know I'm going to sound like the guy who's making excuses right yeah. now, but sometimes it's, it's not a big deal, and it becomes, I mean, even even the Todd Carney thing at Northeast, like how long was that in the news for, and how much did that alter that guy's career, and not just his career, 
But anyone he played with, you know, the, the teams that he was involved with, the clubs that he would be involved with in the future, like, it's a big deal out of something that's just a moment of stupidity and silliness and drunken silliness. So do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I think these things that do become huge actually aren't all that huge, unless your life is examined and you have three million followers on Twitter. I will, you know, I'll defend other players, you know, to the T usually. Todd Carney, I can't defend that. That was just the straw that broke the camel's back on a list of things that got swept under the carpet that were as long as the straight at Flemington. You know, that that, that guy had no, he's, he's the one person who gets no sympathy from me. I'm I am a hater of Todd. I get I've been blocked by every one of his family members and himself on Twitter, and I'm very proud of that. And when I see Tony Adams or the Rugby League Week mole tweeting about poor Todd Carney, it's just one thing that I I can't scroll past. I have to I have to stick the boot in and and uh, start an argument on that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's worth remembering, and I, without sounding without trying to sound like the sensible person out of the two of us. Which, Clearly, the case anyway. Yeah. But we, like I, I think it's worth considering and just remembering these guys are young, yeah, people who have you know young developing brains still as as you know early twenty year olds and stuff. And sometimes I haven't made great decisions in my life a few times, and there just hasn't been a TV camera there, or people who will spread it, or people who take that photo and put it in the in the Telegraph, um, or give it to Rugby League Mole, or give it to Danny Widler, or, you know, whatever, it might happen. So I think there is a case, and, I, you know, whether you can't call Todd Carney anymore or whatever, that, that that aside, I think there is a case for just some understanding and some, you know, some kindness yeah. to these people. These, these guys aren't doing this stuff on purpose. They're not doing it to hurt you. They're not even doing it to hurt their club. They're just... They're just sometimes making dumb decisions, as all humans do, but it's just that their life is amplified because it's examined, and ours luckily isn't. Uh, my my dad always says to me, when you know, when the, a new scandal hits the paper, I'll give give the old man a call and we'll laugh about it. And he always says to me, you know what? The 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 old boys are lucky that there were never mobile phones with cameras around in the seventies. He said because <laughs> those guys have got nothing on the old fellas. Yeah, my my dad's a, a manly fan and he hung around the manly teams of the seventies and played a bit of footy out there as well. And you know he says that you would see them smoking dope before games, smoking cigarettes before games, smoking cigarettes. You know the coaches would be lighting cigarettes up at halftime. And he said the the end of season trips were just out of control. They would, you know, destroy hotels and pubs. And uh, you know, these days, you know, one guy has one too many schooners and and gets naked, and it's it's back page news for for a long well, time. I don't so. think you have to go back that far, mate. You go back fifteen years, not even maybe to the to the origin, you know, bonding nights, which yeah. would just be, you know, debauchery. Yep, that wasn't that long ago. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm very glad that, you know, when I was 18, mobile, the internet didn't exist. Yeah, that's God. fair. Um, just, just before we move on to this topic, if you, were, if you were back there, what would you do different? You know, if you were back helping these education programs from Facebook and Twitter where you've been involved before, what would you do different? Well, I would... Try to work out what was the motivation in a lot of this stuff. I try to work out. Sometimes I feel like some of these things are, are done 
as red flags to other behavioural issues. So I think there's there's some development issues that aren't happening both in the footy side of it as well as like just that human development side of these young blokes. I know that I know for a fact that there's a lot of um, you know addiction issues and substance and and process addiction issues within that playing community and, and, and around the fringe of it, which I don't think there's enough work done on and enough light shone on. Like, there's a lot of different things that that happen in someone's life before they upload that dick pic in a moment of uh, in a brain snap, you know? Like, I'd like... I, I think we should be putting... I think they should be putting a lot more emphasis into working out total player welfare, total education of, you know, what's going on for someone in their whole life, not just... Not just their footy life, not just their injury life, not just their rehab life, you know. And and I think that's the first thing I would do is, is have a more holistic approach to their wellness in general, and and to to really get to the root of why some of this stupid shit happened. Um, but honestly, I know I was half joking about the Nokia twenty eight ten, but only half joking. Yeah. You know, like I I, I don't know. I, I know. So I have, a, I have a really good mate who has um, some addiction issues around uh, the internet and his behavioural stuff that comes out of that, that dude has a flip phone that has snake on it. Yeah. You know, that's just how... And and since he did that, he's he's had years of no problems at all. You know, it doesn't doesn't require a great sacrifice to ensure your safety and, and, you know, you not being as vulnerable to this stuff um, as you might be walking around with a computer in your pocket. Perfect. Summed it up nicely. I think the the only thing that I think could could change would be the frequency of these these programs for them. As you said, a lot of a lot of the scandals that happen seem to be in the off season or the downtime. Um, I think clubs generally cringe when there's a buy or the Origin weekend when when the game shuts down. Mm-hmm. The players have some spare time, so maybe the um, the frequency you know beginning of every month drag the players in and, you know, eventually they're going to get so pissed off with it, you'd have to stop. And I, well, that, well, I think there's, there's one other issue more to this, that, that, and it's us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the fan base. It's mm-hmm. why, and, and this is where the clubs and the players are between a rock and a hard place because what, what would be the, prime, the perfect outcome of this is for the public not to care enough mm-hmm. to share those photos, not to, not to be seeking notoriety enough to be able to expose someone or you know what I mean like if somebody sends that dick pic not taking papers and, and instead just sending something back and saying you're a creep you know fuck off like I don't want to know that or or what's going on for you you know like whatever so so the rock and the hard place is we should be better at, about that we should be you know n- not holding these guys up as not just footy players, but celebrity in general as, as enhanced humans. They're not. They're human. But then the clubs are in this weird position and the players themselves are in this weird position where the players have to build their stock. You know, they have to be... They have to have that fan base. They have to have people interested in their everyday life and, and who they're dating and who they're not and all that stuff. And the clubs weirdly need that too. Yeah. So, so while over there's that indifferent... Like, the difference between the two, between... The players needing that stuff, and the, and the public hopefully not needing that stuff. That's always going to be a bit of an issue, and that is all humans to blame for that. The build up of celebrity and celebrity within sporting celebrity. That's that's on all of us. Yeah, you know. So it's 
that makes it really hard. Powerful words there. Now, now speaking of powerful words, I'm going to go back and I'm going to throw a, a, a curveball at you here. The last time I saw you was actually on your wedding day. Uh, the 3rd of February in 2008, am I correct there? You are correct. How do you remember that date? Because the 2nd of February is my birthday, and we had the, the we had your Bucks party on the Friday night, and then we had the celebration yep. on the Saturday, and then we had the beach wedding on the Sunday, so that's how I remember that. That's right. That's, that's the last time you and I have actually uh, been in the flesh together, and it has been way too long. But that is a long time speaking on, on powerful words, since then you've, you've written a book. And as you said, you were the best-selling author on, on Amazon, which is no mean feat. Um, how did that come about? How did you become an author? Because I know you, and you, you don't strike me as the person who could write a book. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know whether I should be offended or not by that. Both. But, um, Both. It's, so, it's, a, it's a backhanded compliment. Oh, no, I'll take it. It's a compliment. I don't know. I'll, I'll take them all, mate. Um, so the book is basically, so the book's called Reboot Your Thinking. It's basically, I went through a whole lot of um, problematic stuff with my own mental health for a long time, which led to some addiction stuff and some, you know, uh, uh, admissions to rehab and, and whatnot. I, I, through all of that stuff, I've got a better understanding of my brain now and how that works and a better understanding of what I know now are my superpowers, the things that, that actually I would have really not wanted to be part of my personality and part of my brain before. The little broken bits that other people would say are broken bits, they're actually the things that make me superhuman. You know, they're the things that kept me alive. And so it, through, through the recognition of those things, as, not as character flaws but as superpowers, that I've actually managed, managed to stay alive for a start, mm-hmm. stay mentally well mostly, most of the time, um, you know, I've, I've had my little family and, and all of that sort of stuff has been, you know, big, big steps in the right direction. So the book is basically just outlines the 28 day program that I put myself through every 28 days to focus on a different theme each time and look for positivity in my life and not look for excuses and not look for things that I can cut myself down with, but actually things like not focusing on the stuff that holds me back, rather focusing on the things that yeah, it's that's fantastic, mate. Look, the other thing as well that I've noticed that you have little trends that you, you do on social media every now and then, and one of the ones that was that just I was blown away by it. But you went to the beach every day for a year for a swim. Now you even went in winter. Um, did you do that for any reason other than to take your clothes off for the camera, or was there a purpose behind it? Well, that that's a purpose, isn't it? Yes, correct. Um, and and, <laughs> and look, and look for for so, for someone who's in their mid fifties, you've got an incredible rig on you, mate. Easy, Tiger. <laughs> um, so I'm not in my mid fifties, by the way. But anyway, um, but I'll take the rig comments. See, I'll, I'll, I'll take the compliments, mate. I don't yeah. care how backhanded they are. What I wanted to do was, was challenge myself to do something for you, you know? Um, I'm kind of Mr. Half-Arse. You know, I, I start a lot of things and don't finish them and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, well, what can I do that actually makes a bit of a sacrifice, a bit of a routine to my morning each day? And so I was up at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock every day for a year and chucked myself in the ocean. And it helped that I lived, you know, a block from the ocean um, to do that. But... Yeah, through winter was pretty rough. Um, through August was very, very rough. And a few nights, 
where I got it. There was about four or five nights in the year where I had gotten into bed at night and then realised, remembered that I hadn't been. So I had to get up and go and put myself in the ocean at 10.30 at night um, so that I could do it every day. But yeah, I managed to do it every day. And, and so for me to be able to complete something like that, stick to the, you know, stay the course and stick to it was really, really important for me. And, uh, and it showed me that, you know, I know it seems like a trivial thing just just having a swim every day, but it also showed me that I could complete things and, you know, I could stick to something and I could say what I was, I could do what I said I was going to do. And so that's helped my mental health a lot. Was there, was there any one time in the middle of winter at 5.30 in the morning when you looked at your phone and it said zero degrees and you just thought, fuck that? Because I wouldn't oh, have thought, many, I wouldn't have thought you were a quitter. Many times, mate. There was uh, not August. I think it was about September. We went through a little cold snap, and it was cold in the air and cold in the water, and it rained for about five days straight. Like not just sprinkled. Like it, it was bucketing down for five days. And so, those it doesn't really make you want to get out of bed and go and jump in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, I, I had made the commitment, and when I started, I put it on on my socials and I told people I was going to do it. So I did that on purpose to, to be accountable to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in, in the winter it's easy, right? Because the water is warmer than the air. So in the water, sometimes it was down to maybe, you know, 15, 16 degrees, but in the air it was sort of six or seven degrees. Um, so as long as I was in the water, it was fine. It was just when you got out, it's brutal. Yeah. That's, um, that's, but yeah. Mate, and look, I will say nearly every day it looked cold when you uploaded the picture and you kind of had to zoom in to see if there was anything there or not. But, yeah, I had to rib you on that one. Um, look, we've got some, we've got some questions. Um, now, these questions haven't been asked directly, but they're questions that have been asked to our guests before, and we okay. are carrying them over. So the first one is our favourite, which uh, comes from uh, our good friend Ramez. If you could steal any animal from the zoo, what would it be, and how would you do it? Well, my favourite animal, I feel like Napoleon Dynamite here, but my, my favourite animal is either a killer whale or a panda. Uh, no, a polar bear. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a killer whale would be difficult. So I'm going to say I would steal a polar bear. From Taronga Zoo. Mm-hmm. How I would do it, I would probably you'd have to use some serious sedation. So luckily, I know some people who <laughs> might be able to help me out with that. Um, and yeah, just just I guess just a you, just the Hilux flatbed, and just try to get it up there off the ramp and or one of those fridge trolleys. Get it home and hopefully the yard's big enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine looking out your window at night and seeing someone with a trolley and a polar bear on it. <laughs> How cool are polar bears, though, mate? Like they can, um, a polar bear can can has the dexterity and the strength to rip both of your arms out of your of your body at the same time. Brilliant. Any animal can. Well, that's uh, that's turned me off polar bears. Bit of trivia. <laughs> uh, who was the best best player you ever coached uh, in two thousand and five? Uh, Chris Meyer, probably. You're a dickhead. There. You are a dickhead. Uh, we'll... <laughs> Wrong. That's, that's for the budgie to comment. Yeah, uh, fair. That's 1-1. I'll, I'll give you that. Who's your favourite South player growing up? Ziggy Niscott. Never heard of him. Oh, 
mate. Do yourself a favour. Google was he in his cut. Um, he was pretty great in Mario, I guess. There's always, you know, someone who everyone, everyone's favourite player was Mario and still is. If, if you um, weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing and why? Do you know what? I'd love to... Well, I don't know if I would be doing it, but my ideal job would be a bus driver. Okay. I'd love to be a bus driver. I don't know why. I think that'd be really therapeutic just to drive around the same route all day. Okay. Uh, over and over. I don't know about the school bus bit, but yeah, like I'd, I'd be a bus driver. If you could be... I kind of like the whole waving to other bus drivers as they go past me thinking, you know, I can get right <laughs> over that. Uh, if you could be famous for any sport, what would it be? If I could be famous for it? Yeah. Well, I would have loved to have opened the batting for Australia on a New Year's Day, to, on a Boxing Day test. Okay. Right. Uh, at the MCG, so I'd, I'd, I would have loved to have played cricket for Australia. Right. Now, you are famous for being a best-selling author on Amazon. If you were famous for anything else, what would it be? Well, um, I'm really good at making a lemon meringue pie. Mm-hmm. Like, like crazy good at it. Um, I, could, I could make YouTube, a YouTube channel just out of making lemon meringue pie, so I'm going to say that. Okay. I right. make really good lemon red pie. So like a pastry chef. All right, brilliant. Uh, the la- but, the sec- but only, only, only lemon red pies. Okay. So, the second to last question yeah. that we have is, would you rather every shirt that you own be a little bit itchy or you could only use one ply toilet paper when wiping your bum? Uh, anything but the one ply toilet paper. Okay. Uh, do you scrunch or fold your toilet paper? I can't believe there are people who do fold. I scrunch it. Yeah, I'm a scruncher. I'm a massive scruncher. And, uh, do you think there's any correlation between folders and people who put the roll on the wrong way as well? Well, which which way is the wrong way? Well, I mean, I can't believe anyone has to ask this. The, the paper has to come over the closer to you. No, no. Otherwise, you're reaching around underneath it. No, no, see, I'm, I'm, I'm the reach under. It has to be against the wall for me. Okay. I mean, you're clearly wrong. But okay. Uh, and the last question is, how good is the first sip of beer going to be at the pubs when they open in a couple of weeks? Oh, mate, the first three sips, I think, will be will be great. Watching watching the Rabbitohs play in the pub with Snitty. Well, it has... As I said, it has been 12 years since I've given you a hug, so when we, uh, when we can go to the pubs, I am going to make my way up there. Uh, Nick, you've been an outstanding guest tonight. Thank you so much for coming on. I know I've uh, taken you away for something very important tonight. Um, it's been a pleasure. The pleasure's all yours. Um, anything you want to plug quickly? I know I've said that you're the, the Mental Health Ambassador for Lifeline. Have you got anything else coming up? How can we get in touch with Nick? How can we find the Nick Bowditch story? Um, apart yeah, from the you, can, you, can my, you can look at my website, which is nickbaddish.com.au, or follow me at Nick Baddish across all the socials. Uh, I have nothing really to plug except the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. And if you, you know, everyone's second favourite team, but if you if you want to make them your favourite from now on, Feel free. <laughs> and uh, feel free to go online and buy Nick's book. I know I'm going to when uh, when I'm due to buy a new book. I have promised you I will buy it, so I will I will jump onto that. Thanks again, Nick, and uh, enjoy your night. Cheers. You're welcome, mate. Thanks.